0: Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our producer today, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about front-end build systems. Before we begin, we have a special guest today. We have Jonathan Belcher. How's it going, JB? It's going great. Could you give us a little bit about yourself for our listeners? Yeah, I've been a developer since
1: 2006, 2007 and primarily a focus on the front end. Mm-hmm. I am currently a JavaScript electro Wizard at Automatic, working on WooCommerce.
0: Awesome. So that is, you said 12 years, that's a lot of JavaScripting.
1: Most of it was JavaScripting. I mean, there were some PHP and some C Sharp along the way. Well, then We don't talk
0: about those. No, we don't <laughs> talk about that. No. <laughs> that's not a big uh, PHP. I haven't, I've never done PHP. People told me not to. I'd love to hear why I should, but I don't think I'm going to get any responses for that.
2: But, but, I mean, we should also not shit on the PHP community, because those people are very nice, and they have their own thing going on, well, and like, you know, the well the largest platform in the world is, uh, is WordPress. WordPress. That shit's built on PHP, as is Facebook. Oh. And I
1: work at the WordPress company. So
2: (laughs) I I do use a lot of
0: PHP. (laughs) And, you know, PHP is better
1: these days. Okay. It's gotten gotten better. All
0: right. So I have to give that a try. Going back to the front-end build systems of back in the day, do you want to shed some history and some light on what that was like? I think I started developing in two thousand. My first professional programming gig was in 2011, but it was Java, so I didn't have to deal with front-end build systems. I had to deal with Ant build. That's a whole other episode in itself. <laughs> but I didn't do any JavaScript to 2013, 2014. So you yeah, have some uh, some thoughts on the history of front-end build systems? When I when we got this topic, I
1: I was wondering. I, I could not remember what build systems were like before, before node and before grunt and those sorts of things. And I went and did a little research. And of course there really weren't a whole lot of build systems. It was, you took your, your jQuery and you just inlined it via script tag. And then you took your custom JavaScript and you might've even just like included it in your HTML page or you, you, went to some sketchy website, and you minified it via that sketchy website, and then put it in a file, copied it and pasted into a file, and then just, you know, inlined it into your HTML. How
0: how was that
1: safe? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how was that ever safe? Yeah. I, I can't mean, imagine that someone
2: on the internet would do something bad.
0: No. <laughs> wow, William.
2: Well, I'm sure it would also be extremely difficult to include a backdoor that people wouldn't notice when they copy and play, paste blindly a huge chunk of code.
0: <laughs> oh, that's sarcasm. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah that was sarcasm, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Do not paste your code onto the internet nowadays. Yeah. But, but you would just straight inline, you know, jQuery if necessary, or any other JavaScript well, package. And you wouldn't even, you wouldn't, you might not even inline it from your from your
1: server, you might inline it from some sort of CDN. Mm. Which, I mean, had its benefits because you go from site to site and it was already cached and everybody was using jQuery and everybody was using it from the same CDN. So that was helpful. But, I mean, what about that CDN? I mean, I guess you trust the CDN, but... Yeah, so, I mean, it was basically the wild, wild west. There wasn't really a whole lot of build systems. It was fairly simplistic. And websites were simpler in those days so you didn't need a lot of the things that we have today
0: i always look back at the uh space jam website just to go back into history and how websites were built. it was so much less it was much less like complication it was just here you click here get your pictures and go watch the movie that was it
1: yeah
2: yeah if you if you haven't seen the space jam website it is definitely still worth
1: visiting Mm -hmm. yes fantastic now the Space Jam 2 is coming out.
0: Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, supposedly yeah. they got LeBron James. LeBron, LeBron James. LeBron yeah, James. Exactly. That's, that's going to be something else. Hopefully, they upgrade the website for Space Jam 2. No, no. They need SpaceJam2.com. <laughs> Don't upgrade <laughs> the old one. Exactly. So, soon after the Wild Wild West, uh, when, when did Node get introduced to the JavaScript world? Also?
1: Yeah. I mean, so in 2009, Node came around, and these are all ish-ish dates because I I don't know exact dates, but Node really wasn't like a thing in the front-end world. I mean, it was used for server-side things at first, but then people started realizing that we could use it for build systems. And I guess... You know, Grunt came along in 2012ish, and mm-hmm. and that was really it was a system for doing front end builds, right? And so you provided a, a configuration via JavaScript object, and it did a bunch of things, and then output some build target, uh, you know, a build file.
0: So this would also and Grunt. Uh was able to minify your JavaScript and yeah, do it, all sorts of stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So it was doing, you know, you could do a lot of things, but, you know, mostly you were talking about minifying, you were talking about concatting multiple, you know, taking multiple files and making them one, maybe some like less or SAS, you know, into CSS, mm-hmm. maybe some auto prefixing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the things that we were doing with build systems back then was not, you
0: weren't doing a lot. Right. And then there were a couple of things soon after Grunt. I think Bower was one of the bigger ones that I yeah. started listening to when I became a front-end JavaScript developer. I think Bower was like pretty big.
1: We talked about how you would just inline jQuery. Right. That's not a really fantastic like way to do it because you would have to... Go out, download, the, you know, the zip file, unzip it, take that minified file, and then put it into, I guess, your your code revision system. Maybe it was SVN back then. Who knows? Ooh, ooh yeah, SVN yeah, indeed. those are some shivers. <laughs> um, and so, how do we take? How do we get these these front end libraries or packages? And how do we get them injected into our site? I mean, on the back end, you would have npm, and you just npm install all of these things to build. But then when you wanted to include a like jQuery or you want to include like Backbone or like Bootstrap, you would just go download it. Mm. Well, now Bower, what, what it does is it goes out there and it has a a package library and you specify in like a, um, I don't even know what it was called. It's like a package.json file. And you would specify the packages you want, download to your site, and then you would just include them from the Bower folder.
2: Right. Was it a Bower file?
1: Oh yeah it, yeah, yeah, it was a power file. Yeah, I think it was a power file. Mm. It's been w it's been a long time. It's while. been a long yeah. time. Thankfully.
0: No one yeah. yeah. you have so so many other like today we're just it's everywhere. You can find your build system of choice. I mean, we have the one that's commonly used in all the clients that I work in is Webpack. Like everyone is yeah. Webpacking right now. Yeah, and I just I just remember how dope that bird was, like the Bauer bird. Their
1: logo. Oh my oh gosh, my God, yeah. it's fire! The, the Bauer bird was. It, it, they still sell t-shirts, even though Bower is now deprecated. They still sell t-shirts, and I want one. But yeah, it, like today, like Webpack has really. So I mean, like after the the Bower and the Grunt, there was gulp, and gulp made it a little bit uh, easier. And you were just writing plain JavaScript. And, oh, but the streams yeah but yeah so you would you would do something and then you would give it to another you know you would pipe it to another command and then that other command would run and and you could do things asynchronously and it was pretty fa- it was um, compared to grunt you know it was a, a fantastic improvement and you were writing like plain javascript rather than this esoteric like just javascript object that was like a million miles long and so, you know, Grunt and Gulp are both, they're task runners. Right. And so today, like Webpack and a lot of the the new build system pieces are, are more packagers. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to do is you're going to use, you know, modules and you're going to specify an entry and then you're going, it's going to go to that JavaScript file and then it's going to go, you know, traverse, you know, all of the includes and take all of those things and you know, do something and then output a series of files. Right. And so, Webpack has done, you know, they were really one of the first to do that. There are are plenty of others. I mean, there's Parcel is one of the newest ones and they're all about zero configuration. Yeah. And then there's uh, Brunch. Uh, Well, Parcel was also about making it fast too. Uh, But the latest improvements to Webpack, it's way faster and then like there's brunch and roll up and uh and and browserify and so all of these they they all have their own thing that they they try to they try to focus on but a lot of times you know they all copy from each other so right. somebody comes out with a new feature and then it gets included in a different one right so. i mean
0: i think javascript the community of javascript is like that like you have use backbone JS and then there's like angular and react and they go back and forth on the things that yeah. they want to build. And JavaScript seems to just create a new, a new thing and then it, it's going to be the hot new thing. And then there's like 50 other hot new things yeah. that ends up happening. Cause they're all copying from each other.
1: Yeah. And it's fantastic. And so it's, it's much like uh, react came out mm-hmm. and then from react, it was preact and like another thing. And then React went and took the features that made those other things better and included some of those into the core. Right. And and very much, I mean, it's very much the same with a lot of the the front-end build systems. Ember, the Ember framework came out with a CLI. Mm -hmm. And then Angular came out with a CLI, Polymer, React. Everybody comes out with a CLI to to do all of those things. And it gets included. And I mean, sharing is caring, right? Mm Mm-hmm it's like a
2: weird corollary to a uh, competition and, and like a paid marketplace. Yeah. Cause it's all open source. It's yeah. free. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So like today with Webpack and all of these other pieces, because they're the bundlers, they're not really task runners. Right. There's also uh NPM. We were using make files for a while. I mean, that was a thing that sprouted up and then, and then everybody started uh, using npm scripts. Mm-hmm. So now what we do is we say, you know, npm npm start, mm-hmm. and so that's the the canonical entry into a you know a front end to 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 build it and do all of the things. And what's really great about that is you can under the hood in your package.json you just specify a JavaScript file, and then right. that JavaScript file can do all the things that it needs to do tucked away nice inside like a a bin folder or wherever you want to keep
0: it. You just want to run that script. You can configure it in the package.json to, you know, run your tests, start the server. But I think the other one that I've seen is like, check your coverage, right? You want to see how much coverage you have in the code base and whether you've gone up or down and stuff like that. But those are all scripts that were used in NPM, which is not exactly what Webpack is built to do. Is that correct? Yeah, so webpack is the bundler and
1: then npm scripts is really your your task runner. And so that's traditionally the space that grunt and gulp were in, but they're not really they're not as necessary. I mean they do, they definitely still serve a purpose, but if you're just doing some simple task running, you can do that via your npm scripts.
0: Could you see yourself developing like going back to the ways of grunt or gulp? in that regard like what are some advantages that you have using the old uh frameworks versus like the new ones per se like with react i mean excuse me like webpack or parcel and stuff like that yeah i mean that'd be that'd be
1: pretty difficult given that like w- you know webpack gives you the the bundlers give you the bundling right so i can like bower would give you the ability to pull in things from that bower folder Mm -hmm. with webpack i can npm install things that i want on the front end via npm Mm -hmm. and i can just include them via you know an include inside of the javascript file because gulp and grunt really don't have that that infrastructure it would make it a lot more difficult
2: what do you think is coming next what do you think the next innovations are going to be in the packaging world Wow. let's build the building world. That's a tough question. I, yeah,
1: I think, I think we, now we have a lot of the features that everybody's been asking for, you know, like tree shaking so that like you're, you're not including things multiple times. And so, you know, you're reducing the amount of code chunking. Like, you know, I, I don't want one, one megabyte file. I want six, you know, files that I can include on different pages and at different times Mm. So like code splitting, that's, that was, that's been something everybody's been wanting. Like, and I think that the next like year is really going to be focused on speed Mm. because a lot of these and webpack and webpack and some of the other ones are already making those speed improvements. There was a, I think it might've been Airbnb. They said that their build time was 11 hours and that the new webpack version had reduced it from 11 hours to like 15 minutes. Don't quote me on that, but there was a Medium post about it. Wow. And, but it, I mean, I've never seen you know a, a build time that long. But when you fire up Webpack and it takes a minute, two minutes to, to build the project, then you're sitting around doing nothing during that yeah. time. And you're just like waiting, 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 waiting. And then you're on to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that a lot of the focus is going to be on speed but i i don't know uh it's tough to see the future and i currently like have all the features i pretty much need for mm-hmm. you know the projects that i work on
0: i don't know i mean i know one of the headaches that i see working with these build tools is is the fact that like webpack does have all these different configurations that you have to look out for i'm really interested in like in diving into parcel because of the quote unquote People can't see me, but I'm doing the air quotes of the zero configuration and see how that works and see if they expand the zero configuration framework so that people are not afraid to use Webpack, let's say. So zero configuration is
1: fantastic. Right. But as a project becomes more complex, it's going to require some sort of configuration. Yeah. And you're going to probably not fit. I mean, a lot of projects might fit inside of that zero configuration, but... No, I mean, knowing me, it's probably, I'm probably going to be on the one project that doesn't fit that zero config. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're working on something simpler, like a node module or something like that, yeah. Roll up or like parcel is going to work really well because you can do it with that small config. But if you're on something more complex, like, you know, Webpack is probably going to be there. Oh, the future CSS as like primary, like entry points. Right. So right now, if I want to compile a CSS, you know, tree of like SAS files or whatever it may be, post CSS, I have to I have to create a JavaScript file and then I have to include that CSS file inside of that inside of that JavaScript file. And then I have to tell Webpack to extract the CSS using mm. like mini CSS or Extract text HTML plugin or something like that. Right, and so CSS and other file types as primary targets rather than just JavaScript. Nice. <laughs> the future is coming. We're going to come back in a year from now
2: and see. <laughs> it's, it's
1: coming. It was promised in the Webpack four you know Medium post that it's coming soon ish. Mm.
0: So, I trust them, and we trust everything that's on the internet. Because the internet will not lie to us, it will not deceive us, and it will not hack us. Who is making Webpack?
2: Is
1: that just regular open source contributors? It is a regular open source contribution. It just started out with, I think it was one or two developers, and then they they grew their team. You might have heard, uh, like, the, the person who's been doing a lot of this spokesmanship is Patrick Larkin. He just, he went to work for Microsoft as a developer advocate. So, I mean, it's part of his job to make Webpack better. And thank you, Microsoft, for making that part of his <laughs> job requirement because
2: he's he's great. Yeah, It is cool to see some of these bigger companies sponsoring open source like that. Facebook did it with React. Mm-hmm. Google did it with Angular. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see Microsoft doing that as well. Yeah. Well, it, is, it does feel a little weird.
1: That Microsoft is doing it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, we could, we could do a whole podcast on this, but I mean, (laughs) Microsoft started focusing on open source and, and, and they said, this is an important thing for us. Mm. And, you know, it was like uh, the Scots, you know, at, at Microsoft, like, uh, Hanselman and, and, and the rest of the crew over there, they said, this is important to us and open source matters. And, uh, I think they've done a great job. Hopefully their stewardship of GitHub will, will be a good thing
2: yeah that's a really critical piece of open source infrastructure that we need. Yeah, no
0: doubt about that. With the advancement of like I think I asked uh, J.B. earlier if there was a reason or if he would ever use Grunt or any any of the old front-end web built systems, and I would not be able to do that. i There's just so much that I depend on, including like whether it's like linting my files and all these different scripts that run that I need to have access to, you know, run my spec stuff like that i can't imagine not having it in a place where it's just configured and works for me and for the project that i'm currently in whether it's yeah. a zero configuration small project or something massive and we use Webpack.
1: so i mean like today we're doing a lot of things that we we didn't really do in the past you know we're we're transpiling from we're using mp mpm six to five or Babel as it's now known oh, yeah the, what is it E E M C A whatever ecma script uh, yeah ecma yeah so ECMAScript, you know, they they came out with six or right. you know, and so somebody created a library called ES six to five. Right. And so it would transpile your ES six down to five right. so they could be run in the browsers. And then some and then, marketing genius came along <laughs> <laughs> and said, Well, we now have, you know, uh, you know, uh, ES 2016, 2017, 2018. Right. So now, like, the name didn't really work so well. And so then it was renamed Babel. Right. And so now everybody's using Babel if you're writing modern JavaScript. And so we're transpiling from, you know, ES Next, ES Star, whatever your settings are, down yeah. to whatever browsers you support and so we're linting and we're testing and we're we're doing all a lot of things that we just didn't do in the past. Right. So it's it's a combination of we need webpack to to you know compile all of this crazy javascript into into like a build target. We need to we need to lint that code. You don't necessarily have to have webpack do that, but you, you know, we're using eslint or JS hint or you know Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of them but we're using prettier to take our code and when we hit that save button or when we commit automatically reformat all of our code what
0: yeah I don't want to think about that That just the
1: the amazing (laughs) like when when that first happened when I first saw that in action I was like the future is here (laughs) we We no longer well we no longer have to fight over like do I use tabs versus spaces well you know prettier just Tells you what it's what it's doing and it's
0: done. it's spaces. It is uh, spaces though. Uh, well, I mean <laughs> the
1: the WordPress style guide, JavaScript style guide specifies tabs, and you know, I mean, it's it, it's actually a, it's a very comfortable like style guide. Yeah. There's lots of spaces, and once you try and go back to no spaces. And you look at a code base that's like, you know, the traditional JavaScript style, oh, man, it's really tough. You feel like you're in a compact car or something. Oh, yeah. Today, we're doing a lot of things that we didn't do before. And by using a combination of all these tools, like the build systems are so much more powerful than they were in the past.
2: Right. So, what do you like about all these, what do you like most about all these modern build systems?
1: I think what I like most is that I can just write the code I want to write in whatever language I want to write it in, and then it just works in the browser. I can use Fetch, for instance, which may not be available in all the browsers, but it's already being automatically polyfilled for me in the build system. Stop trying to make Fetch happen, JB. <laughs> fetch it's, is never going to It's come. so a thing. It's so a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like... If if I wasn't using the modern build system to add the polyfill for firing DOM events, I would have to write like 20 lines of code because I have to worry about IE. And like, I don't want to have to do that ever oh, again. Oh man, yeah. And so, like the modern build systems, I can write what I want to write. And it's just going to work in the browser as long as I've set up the build properly. There you go. Amen.
0: There you have it. JB, how can people contact you?
1: I'm BelcherJ on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm BelcherJ on GitHub. Okay. Anything you want to plug? Yeah. Liberty JS is coming up in November in Philadelphia. It's a JavaScript conference
2: and it's going to be awesome. I can vouch for this. I've been to Liberty JS in the past. It is awesome. It has wonderful organizers and great speakers. Definitely check that out.
0: Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now, however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.